Give the Lord a hand clap of praise today. God, I praise you, Jesus. I magnify you, Lord. I glorify you in this house, Jesus. Hallelujah. I feel the sweet presence of the Lord in this place. Many times we spend spend a lot of time in the service before the word goes forth, worshiping, and it's, it's at the point where... Well, just before the word comes, it, and all of a sudden you notice there's like a, a presence that just... That's because you have worshipped God, and you have touched the throne of glory. And just like Bartimaeus that cried out and got Jesus' attention, and Jesus turned around and said, Now what do you want me to do? When we begin to praise and magnify Him like you did here today in an atmosphere of spontaneous praise, not pre-programmed, not ABC 123 praise, but when you begin to praise Him in a spontaneous freestyle atmosphere like it's here tonight, all of a sudden all heaven says, bends down its ear and says, what exactly is it that you need me to do? And it's at that moment your pastor said, is the connection point. David said, I will praise you, O Lord, with my whole heart. He said, before the gods will I sing praise unto you. In other words, in front of all of this world, I'm going to praise you. I talked about this on Friday night, but the word praise that David uses, I will praise you with my whole heart, is the word yadah, which means to extend your hands in a throwing motion. I walked in this house, and just about 80% of the people when I walked in were... And your pastor talked about the connection point. The connection point happens when you lift up your hands and praise to God. And when you praise Him, it's not just you're surrendering yourself to Him, but that's the connection point. Where you touch God and God touches you. That's why when I come into this house, I've got to lift up my hands and praise Him. Because when I get everything right and I lift up my voice and lift up my hand, that's when God comes down and connects with me. And I feel His touch and I feel His mercy and I feel His grace. And I feel His power like I feel in this house tonight. Amen. Clap your hands one more time to the Lord. and. Give him some praise today. God, I praise you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Look at your neighbor. Give him a high five and say, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. Amen. Amen. It is good to be in the house of the Lord and to feel. Find somebody else. Give them a double high five. That means both hands. And say, you need to feel the Holy Ghost. Well, somebody shout hallelujah. Ah, I praise you, Jesus. I feel the Holy Ghost here today. It is good to be in Southern California. And uh, I've spent about the last month or so in the great state of Texas, and uh, it is good to be back in California. Good to be back on the planet. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I know this is on CD, so, you know, but anyway. Amen. Good to be in the house of the Lord today. I want to say you have a first class, first rate, four star, five star, whatever the best rating is, pastor and pastor's wife. Right here, every Wednesday night, every Sunday afternoon, every whenever y'all get together again, you've got the best go thing going on. Sometimes we don't understand how good we have it. <laughs> Look at your neighbor, say, I got everything going for me. <sighs> Amen. It is good to be with you today. I want to read tonight from John chapter 11. John chapter 11, reading verse number 25. Just play in the background for me like that. That's perfect. John chapter 11, verse number 25. Then when they sit down, you can sit down if you'd like. John chapter 11 and verse number 25. 
I need a soundtrack in the background everywhere I go. And uh, I left town today and forgot everything. Forgot my laptop, forgot my iPod, forgot everything. I forgot my wife. No, I didn't leave her on purpose. I, something that I would have known if I had accidentally forgotten her. And, uh, and my six-year-old drama queen in the back seat. But, uh, I, and so I was just so silent in the trailer. I'm like... I need a sound. I should just preach with, I said Friday night, I should just preach with an iPod in one ear and just preach like that. That way nobody has to back me up. But I'm not going to make you play all night. Don't worry about that. John chapter 11, verse number 25. Organists always look at me like, oh, what's he going to make me do? John chapter 11, verse number 25. Here's the scene Jesus has found out that his his son, his friend, Lazarus, has come down with a condition. And he finds out that his, Lazarus is sick, well nigh to death. He spends a day, he spends another day, he spends three days. And finally, he shows up to the house. And as soon as he gets on the property, we find that Mary and Martha, or Martha meets him. And her statement of faith says, Jesus, you got here four days too late. Had you been here four days earlier, you could have prayed for my brother and you could have raised, risen him up off of his sickbed. If, he, if you had been here just a few days earlier, but Jesus said, I didn't come here late. I came here right on time because the law said, the law said it was impossible to raise a body back to life after the fourth day. But Jesus showed up on the scene and said, I don't care what the law said. I don't care what man says. I don't care what man does. I show up right on time. Talking to somebody, you're thinking, God, it's too late for me. Preacher, you come here too late to tell me. God can use me. God's got the Holy Ghost for me. God's got a new life for me. God's got a plan. You came too late. I want to tell you, Jesus never comes too late. He always comes. Like the old song said, He may not come when you want Him, but He always comes. Give your neighbor a high five and say, He always comes right on time. And so to this statement of fearless faith that Martha says you're here too late Jesus responds with this says in verse number 25 if you have your Bibles John 11 25 if you don't have your Bible lift up your head all your people and look upon the screen John 11 25 he says unto her I am what a response I am the resurrection and the life He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe what I'm saying to you? Or believest thou this? Now, I know this scripture is talking about the last day. I know he's talking about one day we're all going to rise again on the last day. And the dead in Christ will rise first. And we which are alive and remain shall be called up together. And so shall. I know that's what he's talking about. However. I have a feeling that Jesus right here is trying to give us a statement on the power of your faith. Somebody said, God, it feels like the situation around me is dead. It feels like no matter what I do, it feels like I'm in a barren, dry, dead place. But Jesus said, if you got a little bit of faith, you're about ready to come up out of that thing. You're about ready to step out of that dead situation. Is about ready to come back to life. If you just got a little bit of faith, that thing you think is hopeless is about ready to turn around. If you've got just a little bit of faith, that life that you gave up on and those people you gave up on is about ready to do a 180 degree change. And if you got a little bit of I like the old song that says, faith, 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 just a little bit of faith. You don't need a lot, just use what you got. Faith, 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 just a little bit. I'm not going to sing it, I don't have a voice. Uh, but I want to tell somebody, if you've got just a little bit of a prayer, if you've got a little bit of faith, if you've got a little bit of a worship, if you've got a little bit of desire that says, God, I, I feel like I'm dead, but I've got just some faith in you that's going to get me out of that thing, God's going to show up to your house and say, come out! How do you know this, preacher? Because God does nothing by chance and God does nothing at random. God always has a plan. So I want to preach tonight, if you will help me from this subject. I want to preach, and I know what time it is. And as they say in West Texas, if you haven't struck oil after 15 minutes, it's time to stop boring. And so I want to preach tonight, if you will help me from this subject. I want to preach, God has a plan. God has a plan. Look at your neighbor, give him a high five and say, God has a plan. 
Lay your Bibles down with me if you would and pray with me right now. Ask God to talk to us in this house. Father, I come to you right now. God, asking you, Lord, that you would speak to every individual that is upon the sound of my voice tonight. God, I pray, Lord, that you would touch. I pray that every heart would be open. I pray that every ear would be open. I pray that every spirit that has come today needing something, I pray that they would receive right now in Jesus' name. And everybody said hallelujah. One, one more time, you give the Lord a hand clap of praise today. God, I praise you, Jesus. I magnify you, Lord. I glorify you, Jesus. Amen. You can be seated tonight. God has a plan. I don't always understand why it seems. I don't always understand why it seems that good things happen to bad people and bad things happen to good people. I don't understand why it is that a woman that has served God for so many years and for such a long time goes to the doctor one day and they say and they tell her you've got cancer. I don't understand why it is that a young man that has served God for a number of years walks into his pastor's office, lays his Bible down on the pastor's desk and says, I'm walking away from this. I don't understand why it is that hell sometimes happens in our life and happens things happen in our lives that we cannot understand and we cannot comprehend. I don't understand why it seems like good things happen to bad people and bad things happen to good people. However, I do know this. I'm not required to understand everything. The only thing I am required to do is to have trust and confidence in my God. Now, many times, many times, we preach about faith. And the reason that many times people do not exercise their faith is because we emphasize faith so much that we have faith in our faith. And I'm an evangelist. If I didn't preach faith, I wouldn't be an evangelist. But we put faith in our prayer. We put faith in what we've done. We put faith in our action. We put faith in our worship. We put faith instead of placing faith at the foot of Jesus where it belongs. I don't put faith in how much I can worship, although I love to worship Him. I don't put faith in how I can pray, although I love to pray. I don't put faith in how much I can fast, although I love to fast. I don't put faith in what I can do, although I love to do everything. I put faith in God that says, God, I know you can do exactly what you're worth. I know I'm not worthy. I know I'm not even supposed to be here. But, God, I've got faith in you that says nothing shall be impossible to them that believe. But many times we put such an emphasis on faith that many times people do not understand what it needs to take place prior to launching out and responding to your faith. Now, my daughter was... She was uh, learning how to swim about four, about, she was about four years old, about a couple years ago. And she's learning how to swim, and we're in the back in, in the private pool. I was, let's get the image out of your mind. I was in the water, and she's standing up on the, she's standing up on the edge of the water, at the edge of the pool, and she's about ready to jump in. Her, her, little, her little toenails are hanging and curling over the side, the edge of the pool, and she's looking at me and her long blonde hair and long skinny legs, and she says, she says, Daddy, I said, come on, just jump in. She goes, no, I don't want to jump in. I said, just jump in right now. She said, no. I said, we're in the shallow end. Just jump in. She said, no, I don't want to jump in. She said, what if you drop me? I'm not going to drop you. No, you're going to drop me. I'm not. I didn't have the heart to tell her, you know, physics, even if I drop you're not going to hit anything hard. I didn't have the I didn't have the heart to tell her that. So, but I said I'm not going to drop you. I'm not going to drop you. And I, and so she finally, she, out of much convincing, she finally decides, okay, I'm going to jump. So she looks right at me. She's got her eyes right on me. She's got her eyes right on my hands. She said, I'm not going to. I'm going to watch my father's hands. I'm not going to. I'm going to watch him. If they move, I'm going to do something. I don't know what's going to. So finally, she jumps up out of the air. As soon as she jumps out of the air, her long blonde hair flying in the breeze like slow mo. She's walking. She's just flying in the breeze and her legs are kicking and everything and she's watching me the whole time and she's watching my hands now I do have a a, a, a sarcastic streak in me I, I was momentarily tempted to move my hands and let her fall however I would have damaged her faith in her father and so I allowed her she began to just fall through the air and I caught her and she said wow that was good I think I'm going to swim back to the pool again Gets back up on the steps, gets back to the other side, jumps off again. My father did exactly what he said he's going to do. I trust him, 
So now I've got faith to swim back to the pool again, get back to the edge of the pool. Now after about 20 times, I'm getting tired, and she's just going around and around and around and around like a racetrack. Why? Because she said, I saw my father catch me in the past, therefore I've got trust in him so I can walk back to the edge of the pool, look at my father, and jump into his arms again. Many times, people, the reason you don't exercise faith is because you've had your trust somewhere damaged in someone else's in a relationship or with a human contact or something. You've had your trust and confidence damaged. But if you can put your trust in Jesus that says, God, I have seen you do this in the past. Therefore, I've got faith to come to this altar for my healing. Oh, I've seen my father heal the sick in the past. Therefore, I've got the faith to declare to you, God can heal your body. I've seen my father put marriages back together. Therefore, I've got the faith to declare to you, God, to change your marriage and put it back together. I've seen my father heal 40 people at a time with the Holy Ghost in a small church. Therefore, I've got the faith to declare to you, God can give you the baptism of the Holy Ghost and turn your life around. I trust him. Therefore, I've got faith. You say, how do I trust him like that? You need to open this thing up. How do I trust him like that? I read right here where God healed the leper man. I've got trust, therefore, to walk to my bed, the bedside of my family member and say, fever, come out in the name of Jesus. I've got the faith because I trust him because I've seen him. So I do not, I am not required, nor can I understand what has happened. However, I just have trust and confidence in my God that says, God, I don't know, I know no matter what kind of hell is in my life. I know no matter what kind of junk is in my life right now. Oh, but I do know. I can't understand it. I don't understand it, but I'm not required to understand it. I know I've got trust in you. I've got trust in you that you have got a plan for my life. You've got a purpose. You've got a direction. I'm talking to somebody in this building tonight. God has a plan. Jesus, had you been here four days earlier, you could have healed him. I will do everything exactly how I want it to be done. God, it seems like everything in my life It's breaking apart, and it feels like everything is in chaos. God has to have chaos before he can have creation. In the beginning was the the world, and the world was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. That word darkness and void literally means chaos. And the Spirit of the Lord showed up. And the Bible says the Spirit of the Lord moved upon the face of the deep, upon the chaos, and spoke and said, let there be light. Because when Jesus shows up in your life, he does two things. He speaks and he brings light. And where the devil tries to separate and break everything apart and break chaos into your life, God shows up if you let him and said, I've got a plan. What's your plan, God? I'm going to speak. God has a plan. I'm going to speak creation. I'm going to speak life. I'm going to speak faith. And light is going to come into your life where there was darkness. Why? Because God has a plan for that plant to be out of my way. God has a plan. Look at your neighbor say, God has a plan. I don't care what the enemy has told you. Somebody in this house, the enemy has told you. You might as well forget about it. God did. The enemy has told you, you might as well forget about it. Might as well not even come to that altar. The devil fought you on the way here. All different kind of stuff had to happen before you got here. Because, see, the devil knows as soon as they put that Bible under their arm and open up that car door and start walking toward life, church, as soon as they break through the back doors, my plan is about ready to be falling down. My plan is about ready to crumble. And God's plan is about ready to be enacted. Why? Because God God has a 
where the enemy wants to destroy, God wants to build up. Where the enemy wants to bring darkness, God brings light. Where the enemy wants to kill, God speaks resurrection power. Talking to a young couple that's looking at a dead marriage, God has a plan. Talking to a young man and a young woman who's looking for answers in a dead world. God has a plan. I'm talking to somebody in this house that's looking at a dead world of empty promises and broken dreams and people that don't fulfill your expectations. God has a plan. Somebody you thought this week, God, I might as well be dead. I want to tell you that's a lie from the devil. God has God, had you been here before, all this stuff could have happened, but you're late. I've got a plan. Really? God, what is your plan for my life? Let me give you my four-word plan. Or three, if you think I am, is one word. Let me give you my four-word plan. I am the resurrection. What's your plan, God? My plan is always to bring back to life what was once dead. My plan is always to take something that you've given up on, put it in my hand, and breathe new life back into it, and watch it come back alive. My plan is to take a a dead fruit tree and speak life back into it, and watch it blossom again. My plan is always to bring light to darkness and life to death. My plan always, 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 always. My plan involves you coming out of that dark oppression in your finances. My plan always involves you coming out of the darkness of that addiction you've been under. My plan always involves you stepping out of your darkness and stepping into the light. And the enemy hates it when you start talking like this. Because my Bible says, rejoice not against me, O my enemy, for when I fall... Somebody finish it for me. When I fall, you don't sound convinced. Rejoice not against me, oh my. You got a third time. Rejoice not against me, oh my enemy. For when I fall, and we stop right there. But the scripture goes further. Though I fall, I shall arise. Read the next verse. Though I sit. In darkness, the Lord shall bring me forth into the light. Why? Because it's always God's plan to bring life to death. It's always God's plan to lead you out of death and bring you into his resurrection power. It is always God's plan for new life. I can see, I can see the march to Calvary. As he begins to march with the cross upon his back. I can see him as he begins to walk. And those that have given three and a half years of their entire lives. All of a sudden see the very person, the very thing. That they put life into, that they put hope in, that they put trust in. I'm talking to somebody in this house today. It's all hell is broken loose in your life, and everything you put, you put faith in, everything you brought hope into, all of a sudden it seems like everything around you is crashing down around you. But God said, hang on just a little bit longer. I know it seems like everything's going down. I know it seems like everything's crumbling. I know it seems like everything is going downward, and nothing's going to happen, and nothing's ever going to come out good out of this. I know, but just hang on just a few hours longer. Hang on just a few hours longer. Why? Because I've got a plan. Somebody don't give up too early. Somebody don't backslide too early. Somebody don't leave this house too early. Because if you can hold on just a little bit longer, God has 
has a plan. I know it seems like it's dying. I know it seems like it's over. But I've got a plan. The scripture said men and women who tried to get out of their sins in and of themselves. Men and women who tried to get out of addiction by themselves. How many know it don't happen like that? People that tried to get out of the bond of sin in and of themselves. I don't care how many meetings you go to. They will still tell you you're the same thing that you've always been. But when you come in this house, Jesus says, out there they may call you addicted, but in here I call you anointed. Out there they may have called you fearful, but in here I call you faithful. Out there they may have called you depressed, but in here I call you delivered. Jesus, we thought you were our only hope. God, we struggled with the law that, all, that only condemned us. God, we struggled with man's rules that only could govern what we did with our outward man, but could not govern our heart. God, we only are bound by all this kind of junk and this sin that seems to rule our lives and have us under its foot. God, what's going on? Hang on just a little bit longer. Hang on just a little bit longer because those prison cells are about ready to open. Those prison doors are about ready to slide open. Just Hang on! Just a few minutes longer. Deliverance is on the way. I said deliverance is on the way. Somebody in this house, hang on just a few moments longer. Deliverance is on its way. And as they laid him across that cross and nailed nails in his hands and in his feet... As they began to nail, and it wasn't just three strikes in each hand. It was a pound and a pound of a dull spike trying to go through bone and cartilage. But with every hammer. (laughs) Because the enemy followed Jesus to Calvary. Because the enemy wants to see what you're going to do. The devil followed you here. Your addiction followed you here. Your problem followed you here. Your hell that you've been facing has been following you here. Oh, but when you walk into this door, it has to stay outside. But it came just to see, is he going to worship? Is she going to trust God? Is she going to step out by faith? Is she going to move? Or is she going to go out still bound? Is he going to leave this house still addicted? I want to see what he's going to... And with every pounding of the nail inside of Jesus' feet and hands. Because the devil had a plan also. Because there's two people in this house tonight that have a plan for your life. And the reason the enemy followed Jesus to Calvary is because the enemy's plan always ends in death. The enemy's plan always ends in destruction. That thing does not love you. That thing does not not have your best interest at heart. That thing does not want you to prosper. That thing does not want you to succeed. Jesus said the thief comes for only three reasons. To steal, kill, and to destroy. But I have come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Why? Because my plan is always for life. And with every pounding of the nail inside of his hands and feet was one more nail on the coffin of the devil. The enemy that said, I've got men and women bound, and I'm always going to have them bound. I'm sorry, Bubba. Your plan is about ready to end. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You thought... The devil thought he had you, but you got in this house just in time. The enemy thought he was going to take your marriage, but you got in this house just on time. The devil thought he was going to kill your body, but you got in this house just in time. The enemy thought he was going to steal your faith, but you got in this house just on time. And as they lift him up... 
and they dropped the cross in the hole. And it cries out in the night as the darkness begins to come. It is finished. The enemy thought my plan has been enacted. But in reality, when Jesus said, it is finished, he said in reality, the chapter might be finished, but the book isn't over. Because when Jesus cried out, it is finished, in reality what he was saying was, as of right now, my plan has been enacted. The devil's plan has ended here, but my plan doesn't end in death. My plan is in life. The enemy thought he had you. The enemy thought he was going to destroy you. But when Jesus enacts his plan in your life, all of a sudden, all hell has to back away. Why? Because, devil, God's plan does not end in death or destruction. God's plan always ends in life. Somebody shout, clap your hands to the Lord. She was a woman who knew all about what it meant to live in spiritual darkness. She was a woman that knew what it was like to live under the foot of addiction. She was a woman that knew what it was like to live under the thumb of the enemy, to live under the direct influence of the lust of the flesh and the pride of life. She was a woman that knew exactly what it was like to live in spiritual darkness, but she also knew what it was, a li- what it was like uh, to have Jesus all of a sudden uh, in the middle of her darkness uh, and in the middle of her despair. Uh, she knew what it was like for Jesus uh, to, he- to speak those words uh, and for her to hear those words that said, uh, come out of her. And the scripture said that out of Mary Magdalene was cast seven devils. Uh, she knew what it was like to live in spiritual darkness oh, but she knew what it was like to hear the voice of Jesus that spoke and brought light into her life and step out and live in victory and power however now in John chapter 20 in John chapter 20 we find that Mary a woman that had given three and a half years a woman that had given a lot of her life to this man Jesus Now the scripture said a woman that knew what it was like to come out of darkness, walk with Jesus. Now that thing in her life that she put faith and hope and trust in now is dead and buried. And now the scripture says she finds herself. In John chapter 20 and verse number 1, she finds herself back in the darkness. She could have sat there. And allowed everything that happened to her to keep her there. She could have sat there and given God every excuse. Why she should just stay in this dark house. Why she should just stay in this darkness. And don't you know the enemy preyed upon those feelings and said, Oh, he's dead. It's over. My plan has been enacted. It's over with. Might as well sit here. Might as well give up. Might as well backslide. Might as well leave God. Might as well not even come to that revival meeting. Might as well not even come to that altar. Might as well not even step out by faith. Might as well not even move. Might as well. It's over. Might as well forget about it. But all of a sudden, what hell was not banking on was Mary all of a sudden coming to her understanding and her, and her senses and said, Wait a minute! Somebody, you're facing darkness right now in your life. And Mary said, Wait a minute. I can sit here and stay in my darkness. But he... Oh, my God, have mercy. He, watch this, he found me in the darkness. And now, in the darkness of my life, I need to find him. 
Oh, I'm talking to somebody in this house. You're facing darkness in your life, and you don't know what's going to happen next. And you feel like, God, all the darkness is pressing in around me, and I don't know what's going to take place next. And the devil's lied to you and told you to give up, but I came to declare to you, in your darkness is the best time to find Jesus. And the Scripture said, she comes to the tomb early while it was yet dark. It's dark in my life, but i got to find Jesus. I'm facing all kind of junk back home, and the stuff I'm facing back home can kill me in this darkness. Or it can propel me to the feet of Jesus. Because I can sit in this darkness, and Dr. Phil's not going to help me out of this darkness. Oprah's not going to help me out of this darkness. They'll teach me how to recognize the darkness. They'll teach me what kind of darkness is in my life. But only Dr. Jesus can tell me how to leave this I'm in this darkness, and it can destroy me right here, or it can put me where I belong, at the feet of Jesus. That darkness and hell you're facing in your life right now. You can stay where you are tonight and not make a move to this altar and not step out by faith. And that thing, when you walk out of the door, could kill you and destroy your marriage, destroy your home, destroy your family, destroy your finances, destroy your life. Or you could come to this house and say, God, it can destroy me and kill me. However, I choose to turn that energy around and turn the weapons of the devil back against himself, and it's going to drive me to the feet of Jesus. And she comes to the tomb early while it's yet dark. Somebody right now, the enemy has stretched forth his hand and has tried to stretch forth his hand against you. But I want to tell you right now in the Holy Ghost, God says, right now in the Holy Ghost, God says, I'm about ready to lead you out of that darkness. I'm about ready to change that darkness into light. And when I speak it, and in just a few moments, you're about ready to step out. And when you come to this altar, it's not just going to be another altar service. But for you, for you, it's going to be a 180 complete difference and change in your life. And you're going to step out from where you are. And with every step you make toward this altar, you're going to say, God, I'm coming out of the darkness. I'm coming out of the darkness. I'm coming out of the influence. I'm coming out of my addiction. I'm coming out of my problem. I'm coming out of the darkness. And when I find you, Jesus, when I get here, you're going to meet me here because your plan doesn't end back there. Your plan ends right here. Lift up your voice. Lift up your hands right now. Musicians, come and help me out right now. We were, we were preaching a Pentecost Sunday one night, uh, one afternoon, and there was a lady way back, way back, way back in the back. And she was sitting back there, and I told her, I said, lady, it was like a service like this. I just talked to her like this. Everybody watching, you have to feel to do these things. You can't just do these things. I said, lady, the Holy Ghost is all over you. Tears began to stream down her cheeks. Her atheist boyfriend, she had brought him. He was an atheist. Pastor said, go pray for him. He wants the Holy Ghost. He's an atheist. I said, hello, atheist. But he was at the altar and he had long hair. I can't remember the guy's name, but I talked to him. I said, you want the Holy Ghost? And in my mind, my natural mind, I'm just thinking, but he's, he's an atheist. He ain't going the Holy Ghost. But I thought, well, I'm just going to do it anyway. See what happens. I got nothing to lose, everything to gain. If he says no, I, I'm not retarded. I'll walk away and leave. So I said, you want the Holy Ghost? All of a sudden, tears began to stream down his cheeks. He said, yeah, I want the Holy Ghost. I said, well, my God, bro, you've got more faith than some good believers sitting out here right now. 
You're willing to step out of what you've known and what you've been taught your whole life. You're willing to say, you know what? I believe what that fat preacher has talked about. Ben, I was about 50 pounds heavier. He said, I believe what that fat preacher is talking about. I'm willing to step out of what I know, what I've been taught and learned in school. I'm willing to step out and say, if there is something beyond this, I'm ready to receive it. Somebody in this house, you've got to come to the point and say, God, I know what I know. I know what I've seen in the past, but I'm willing to step out past what I know and what I've seen before and get a hold of what you've got for me. And so his girlfriend, (laughs) his girlfriend was in the back row. And I said, lady, the Holy Ghost is all over you. I said, lady, I want you to step out right now. And come to this altar. And I said, with every step you make, you're coming out of your darkness. You're coming into light. I said, with every step you make, I want you to say out loud, I believe. Because you don't have to tell a hungry man to eat. You don't have to tell a thirsty woman to drink. They're going to do exactly what you tell them to do. They're so hungry. They, if you told them to stand on their head and shout, talk a little do, they would do exactly that because they've got to have something in their life. And she got out. I'm not going to sit much closer. She got out and she said, and she sought out and she said, with every step, look like Frankenstein, big steps. I believe. I believe. Everybody watch her. I believe. I believe. I believe. I believe. I believe. By the time she said her last, I believe, and stepped in that altar, she had both her hands lifted up to heaven. Nobody even touched her, and God filled her with the baptism of the Holy Ghost right there. Why? Because somebody said, it's not God's plan for me to stay where I am. It's God's plan for me to end up. Stand with me right now. And Mary shows up to the tomb early while it's dark. My brother, stand right now. Stand right now. There is a blessing right now. The Holy Ghost just told me right now. There is, first of all, there is a financial blessing that is getting ready to come. I don't know why. I don't know where it's going to come from. There's a financial. There's, there's, all right. There's two different areas. On your, on your right hand, there's a financial blessing that's getting ready to come. On your left hand, there's a family situation that God is about ready to take care of. All the situation you've been worried about, like, God, how is this going to work out? God is about ready to cut off those voices of doubt and confusion that have been trying to not bring faith, but have been trying to bring doubt and all kinds of stuff and fear into your spirit and into your life. God's about ready to cut those things off. There's a financial blessing that's going to be getting ready to take place. And God's about ready to handle that family situation. My God, right now, there's been a tree. There's been a tree in your life that's been cut down. It's been cut level to the ground. You thought, God, nothing's ever going to take place here. Nothing's ever. But God said, if he will humble himself before me, I'm about ready to speak and bring water back to that dead stump. And that thing that was dead in his life is about ready to sprout and bring forth fruit like a plant again. Lift up both your hands right now. When I lay my hand on your forehead, it's going to happen to you. Not because of me, but because of your faith in God. Church, lift up your voice. Lift up your hands. Stretch forth your hands toward this man right now. God, I pray right now in the name of Jesus. God, I pray right now in the name of Jesus. God, let it be so run here. Touch my brother in the name. In the name. In the name. In the name of Jesus. Because my God's plan does not end in death. My God's plan ends in life. And God has a plan. And she comes while it's dark, and she's standing there, and she sees that nobody else is there. She runs and gets the other disciples. The other disciples come. Then they go back and get the other guys, leaving Mary. Watch this. Leaving Mary by herself, standing at the tomb. She's standing in a place of death, in a place of darkness. In a place of no life. Got it? She's standing in a tomb. Darkness and death. And all of a sudden, as she's standing at the entrance of the tomb, she hears a voice that says, Woman, why are you crying? And she turns to the man who is standing in the garden who is standing in the place of life and light. 
she is standing in the place of death and darkness and she says, sir, they've taken the body of my Lord. I don't know where he is. And Jesus, standing in the place of life and light, speaks to Mary and just says one word. Mary. And when she hears the voice of Jesus, she turns and she leaves the place of death and darkness. And she runs to his feet and falls down at his feet and says, Master. Why? Because Jesus said, Mary, my plan doesn't end in death. My plan always ends in life. Rejoice not against me, O my enemy, for when I fall, I shall arise. Though I sit in darkness, I shall come forth into the light. Somebody in this house, Jesus is speaking your name and is saying, Sir, ma'am, I've got a plan. Lift up your hands with me. Close your eyes right now. Somebody needs to hear the name, the, the, your master. You need to hear your name spoken by Jesus right now. Somebody, you need to cut off all those voices of fear and doubt and unbelief that have plagued you this whole day. Now you've got to hear the voice of Jesus right now. With your eyes closed and your hands lifted right now. Nobody's watching you. Nobody's looking around. Sir, I've got a plan. Ma'am, I've got a plan. Say, what's God's plan for my life, preacher? For you to leave your darkness behind you. For you to leave the empty promises behind you. For you to leave that life you gave up on behind you. And for you to step out of your pew in just a moment and come to this altar and join those that are already here. And with every step you make to this altar, you say, Jesus, I'm stepping out. And I'm stepping toward you. I'm stepping toward the light. Somebody right now, you're straining against the gate. You're straining against right now. I want you to lift up both your hands right now and pray with me right now. Jesus, I pray right now. God, that your word and your spirit that's been brought forth right now. God, I pray right now with the name of Jesus. And every individual right now in the sound of my voice, it feels like, God, I'm in a place where I cannot hear you. I'm in a place that I cannot touch you. I'm in a place I cannot feel you. If you want to step out of that place and walk into his light, I want you to lift up both hands right now and close your eyes with me. Don't look at anybody else. Don't look around. Don't wonder what anybody else is doing. Just focus on Jesus and close your eyes right now with me. God's going to fill you with the Holy Ghost. God's going to give you a new life. God's going to give you a new direction. And I want you to pray right now with me out loud. Jesus, God, forgive me, Lord. God, everything that's in me, Jesus, God, I ask that you would forgive me, God. God, today, I'm stepping forth out of my darkness, out of my fear, out of my doubt. And I'm stepping into your faith. I'm stepping into your light. I'm stepping into your plan for my life. Say, how do I enact this plan, preacher? How does God's plan get enacted in my life? Let both hands slip up into the air right now. And I know what time it is, but just begin to praise Him out loud with your mouth as they begin to sing right now. Praise Him out loud with your mouth. I say, hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus.
Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Come on, that's it. Let those tears go right there. Those tears are a sign that God is talking to you. As they begin to sing, those tears are a sign that God is speaking to you. Those tears, that worship is a sign that God has not given up on you, that God has not forgotten you, that God has a plan for your life. Come on, praise Him out loud. Let the Holy Ghost talk through you right now. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. If you're not praying, would you find somebody next to you? And would you pray for them in the name of Jesus? Everybody a minister in this house. Everybody a minister in this house. Remember, I know. Find somebody where it's appropriate. The plan. Take him by the hand and pray with him right now. Come on. Come on, come on, come on. Let your voice sound The plans I have for you. And I know just what you're going through. And when you can't see what tomorrow holds and yesterday is through. Remember, I know the plans I have for you to give you hope for tomorrow, joy for your sorrow, strength for everything you go through. I'll give you hope for tomorrow, joy for your sorrow, strength for everything you go Remember, I know the plans I have for you, and I know the plans I have for you, and I know just what you're going through. And when you can't see what tomorrow holds and yesterday is through, remember I know the plans I have for you.
Praise the Lord. Reach over and touch the person next to you. I want to just one more time. Let the Spirit of the Lord minister. Amen. The Holy Ghost is just lingering in this place. It's a real special time. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah for the outpouring of the Spirit. Thank you, Lord God, for the encouragement, the anointing, Lord, the powerful touch of the Holy Spirit we've enjoyed in the service. Thank you, Jesus. You're starting, Lord Jesus, something new in lives, Jesus. Starting something new, starting over again, Lord. Bringing life and light, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. so glad for the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. We're going to dismiss you in the name of the Lord. Remember what's happening tomorrow, choir and the praise team. Saturday, praise on the mountain at 8.30 at the church. Sunday, Brother Ventura is going to be back here with us. We're going to, I, I just feel like something powerful is going to happen this weekend. What a, what a fantastic move of the Spirit here tonight. Hallelujah. So I want you to come Sunday. I want you to get into your closet. I want you to dig out your shouting shoes. Bring them Sunday. We're going to have a great time. Amen. We're going to praise the Lord. And, uh, and the power of God is going to move in this place. On Sunday, there's going to be many people filled with the Holy Ghost. People baptized in Jesus' name. Maybe somebody will get a miracle of healing on Sunday. Amen. Great things are going to happen in Jesus' name. Praise the Lord. God bless you. I want you to greet one another. So glad to have guests visiting with us tonight. Lord bless you. Aren't you Sister Rosie's grandson? Is that, or have I got you mixed up? Yeah, Sister Rosie's grandson, Rosie Granados, right? Amen. So uh, uh, greet this uh, couple and others that are visiting with us tonight. Some young men that came with uh, uh, my brother, Brother Lorenzo Williams and, and Michael and uh, uh, others. I know I shouldn't say anything because I'll forget somebody, but... Uh, we're so glad for each and glad for what the Lord's doing in your life. Amen. And opening up to the spirit of the Lord. And uh, I'm so glad for this young man. You know, let me tell you something about this guy. I haven't even got to spend any time and talk to him. But I've watched him during Bible study the last three weeks. He drinks in every single word. He hasn't missed a word. So he's listening and receiving the word of the Lord. And we're excited about what God's doing. Amen. Thank God for what he's doing in all of these lives and what he's going to continue to do. Make sure you greet one another and share the love of Jesus. You're dismissed in the name of the Lord. Those that are praying, you're welcome to continue praying. God bless.